0: Good morning and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee, and I am thankful that you have joined our program for today. Our lesson for today continues a series that we have been studying for a while. Uh, I mentioned that before, uh, I think, last week, Um, but as we Have been going through this lesson, which is based on why I'm a member of the Church of Christ. It's based on a book that is written by Leroy Brownlow, and uh, he has done an excellent job of of laying everything out uh, in such a, a fashion that it's easy to understand, and it's hard for anyone really to refute any of the things that he has said. Uh, But as we have looked at this series, we have gone through some lessons on why we are members of the Church of Christ. The most recent is scriptural and organization. One of the reasons that I am a member of the Church of Christ is that it is scriptural and organization. There are many churches throughout the world. There are those that call themselves churches anyway. But there are, are so many that do not follow the New Testament, that do not follow the authority of the Bible. I want to be a part of the church that I can read about in the Bible. And, and if you are not a part of a church that you can read about in the Bible, then I would encourage you to study for yourself the scriptures. And make sure that the things that your church does and teaches, make sure that those things are according to the scriptures. That is our main endeavor as Christians. It's the title of this radio program. And we do want to do things according to the scriptures. So today's lesson I believe we are on about the seventh installment of It Is Scriptural in Organization, and we're going to look at this lesson. I believe we can finish it. Last week, I was pretty optimistic about finishing our lesson, and we didn't quite make it to the end, but I'm pretty sure that today we can finish this lesson, and then, Lord willing, we'll move on from there. But before we begin our lesson today, let's bow as we always do in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the ability that we have to open up your word, to study it together. And we pray, Father, that you would be with us, that you would bless us in our studies. Help us to be the Christians that you would have us to be. Help us to be the church that you would have us to be. Help us to recognize the importance of doing everything by a thus saith the Lord. We pray, Father, that you would bless us in our studies. Give us an open mind, an open heart to the things that you have shared with us. And we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your son for his sacrifice for our sins, and it is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. Now, as we get into our lesson for today, we have been studying for the last few weeks the qualifications of elders. I believe last week we got through the qualifications as they are found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 1-1. Through seven, I want to quickly read that and then move on from there into uh, the rest of our lesson for today. First Timothy chapter three and beginning with verse one. This is a faithful saying: If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, How will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So last week, we spent a a good deal of time on his home life, an elder's home life, making sure that, that this is someone who rules his own house well, one who manages his own house well. He is one that has children in submission. Those things are important. If he cannot lead in his home, then he cannot serve as an elder. As we look at at the rest of the qualifications that are given, he cannot be a novice. He cannot be a rookie Christian, if you will. He needs to be someone that has been a Christian for some time. He needs to be well-seasoned, so as not to uh, make wrong decisions, so as not to lead the members of a congregation astray. He needs to be well-versed in Scripture. He needs to know the Bible. If he is going to lead the church, then he must know the Bible. And anyone who does not know the Bible is not qualified to serve as an elder. And he must have a good testimony with those who are outside. He must have a good report, uh, as the King James puts it, a good reputation, which is maybe the best uh, way of, of describing this qualification. That is from the New American Standard Bible. But he must have a good testimony, a good reputation among those who are outside. I'm not sure how much time we got to spend with this one, but, but who are those outside? Those who are not Christians. Those who do not assemble with the saints on the Lord's Day. Those who do not know God those who are outside of Christ. Those that he comes in contact with may be in his workplace or if he is retired uh, among those that he has known for years, those that he sees on a daily basis, those who are outside of the church. And why must one have a good reputation with those outside He must have a good reputation, because if he doesn't have a good reputation, he cannot lead souls to Christ. He cannot bring the lost to Christ, because he is not living in a Christian manner. He is not showing them the the ways of Christ. He needs to set a good example, not just for the church, but also for those who are outside of the church. Those that are looking at him and those that are seeing his life, those that are judging. I have heard stories, uh, one that sticks with me from my my preaching school classes uh, from some years ago. There was a story Of an elder. And I don't know if if this is true. It probably is. Maybe it's not. But there is a story of an elder. He was a faithful member. At least as far as everyone in the church could see. But he did not have a good reputation. With those outside of the church. As a matter of fact. There were those that, that worked under him. He was an employer, the manager of a business, and those that worked under him, they knew that he professed to be a Christian. But they also knew that in professing to be a Christian, and not just a Christian, but a leader in the church, they knew that he had a hot temper. They knew that if they provoked him, that he would easily fly off the handle, so to speak. And so they would often test him. They would do things to make him mad, to see him lose his temper, to see him use bad language, language that is not befitting of a Christian. He did not have a good reputation with those outside of the church, and they made light of it, as would anyone else who is outside of the church, they, they may make light of Christians. It's important for a leader to lead in every aspect of his life, not just his life in the church, but especially in his life outside of the church. And I wanted to close our our study of the qualifications of elders by going to the book of Titus, because as we go to the book of Titus, we see these qualifications rendered once again. But as we have noticed in a couple of different places, as we look at Titus, we find that his rendering of these qualifications is worded just a little bit differently. And there are a couple of things that we can bring out of Titus chapter 1 that we couldn't really find in 1 Timothy, or maybe just not in the same way. But in Titus chapter 1, and beginning with verse 5, as Paul is writing to Titus, he says this, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able By sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Most of these we have already discussed as we have gone through the qualifications listed in Timothy. We have also found how these are are, are worded differently, and we have looked at those qualifications in Timothy's order. But there are a couple of things to note here from Titus that we do not find in 1 Timothy chapter 3. A couple of words that describe an elder, a leader in the church. Just. He needs to be just. Uh, of righteous behavior. Holy is another word that is used here holy. He needs to be of good behavior, not just before others, but especially before God. He he needs to be set apart, which is what holy really means. He is to be set apart from the world. He, He cannot lead the church and be like those of the world. He needs to be different. And in God's sight, he must be just. Which really could probably go along with blameless. He must be holy. Those are some good words to describe an elder. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. As I look at certain examples in Scripture, I think of Timothy, who was taught very well, as we are told by his mother and his grandmother. He held fast to those things that he had been taught. Now, there are those that hold fast to things that they have been taught, but there are those that will not come to The church, because of what they have been taught, they will not come to obedience to the gospel because others have taught them in the wrong way, and they are accepting those teachings. There are some who have difficulty becoming members of the church because they feel that they are in some way dishonoring their parents or their grandparents. It's important that if we find out the truth, that we obey the truth, that that we do not put that aside, that we do not neglect it, neglect that obedience because of someone else. If they knew the truth, they would want you to be saved. I can guarantee you that. But holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, I think of of myself in some ways because I was raised in the church. And I have, I guess you could say, I've held fast to those things that I have been taught. I was taught the truth from a very early age. And I've continued in that truth. At least as I understand it to be truth. An elder needs to hold fast to those things that he has been taught, even if he has been taught those things in the middle of his life or, or maybe even later in life. Of course, he can't be a novice. He, he needs to be a well-seasoned Christian. But he needs to hold fast to those things that he has been taught, namely the truth of God's Word. As he has been taught the truth, As he has been obedient to the truth, he needs to continue in that truth. He needs to be able to exhort and convict. He needs to be able to encourage the members of the church. But he also needs to be able to, uh, if someone comes in, for instance, and, and teaches something contrary to the truth, He needs to stand fast for the truth. He needs to be able to teach them, to reprove them, to convict them if necessary. He needs to be able to bring others to a conviction that they are in their sins and that they need to do something about it. That they need to obey the gospel. He needs to do those things. That is Uh, a good qualification of an elder. But he needs to know the truth. He needs to be able to use sound doctrine to teach others, to encourage, to rebuke. Whatever he needs to do, he needs to be able to do it. As we look at the qualifications of elders, I want to close our time together by looking at the duties of the congregation to elders. And this is something that I don't remember hearing a lot of as I was growing up in the church. And maybe I did hear lessons, and maybe I just don't remember. But it wasn't until about three or four years ago that I went to an elder deacon preacher seminar. is what they call it, a men's seminar hosted by the East Main Congregation. And I remember the speaker being Glenn Colley. And he spent a great deal of time in that lesson that he had. They they talked about elders. They talked about um, those that lead in the church. And he spent a great deal of his time talking about the duties of the congregation to elders. We talk a, a great deal about the qualifications of elders. We talk a great deal about the duties of elders to the congregation. We, we may have many lessons that regard those duties, but we have maybe few. At least in my opinion, we have fewer lessons on the duties of the congregation to elders. The members of a congregation they do have certain duties to their elders. They have certain responsibilities, things that they need to do in, in regard to serving under these leaders. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. We need to not only recognize the leadership of the church, which is something that That maybe we need more of in our world as far as the leaders of of even our nation. But that's a discussion for something else. We're not going to go into that. But as far as the leaders of the church are concerned, they need to be recognized by the members of the congregation. They need to be held in high esteem. That doesn't mean that we place them on a pedestal, but it means that we respect them. We respect them for their leadership and for what they are doing. And we respect the decisions that they make, whether we agree with them or not. Now, there may be times where we need to uh, reprove or rebuke even elders. They may make some decisions that are not scripturally based. They are human. We have to be careful of those types of errors. But we need to respect them. And we need to respect their leadership and we need to respect their decisions as long as they are within the authority of God. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Hebrews thirteen seventeen: Obey those who rule over you and to be submissive, for they watch out for your souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. We're also told how we should not serve under elders. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19 Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. It's important that if we are going to receive an accusation, it's a simple logic in regard to law. You don't accept just one person's witness, but you take the witness of two or three, and that has been misused. But... We need to make sure that if we're going to accept an accusation against an elder, that we do so in the right way. As we conclude this study, I want to take just a moment to read through the verses regarding deacons. We're not going to have time to really study them, but let's read through those verses quickly. First Timothy chapter 3 and beginning with verse 8. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife. Ruling their children and their own house well, for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And we, receive, we, we recognize that these qualifications are pretty much the same as those are elders, and so we really don't need to go into an in-depth discussion of the qualifications of deacons but they serve under the oversight of the elders. They serve the congregation. They are servants in every regard uh, of that word. And these qualifications are important for us to notice when we are appointing men to serve the congregation in whatever way they may serve. I think that just about does our lesson, and I hope that I've done it justice I hope it's been a good study for you, that you have benefited from it, and I look forward to moving on with you uh, at the next opportunity. I believe next week I'll not be able to do a program, but the week after, we'll plan on coming together once again, and we'll begin reason number eight. Uh, Whatever reason number eight may be, we'll begin that study uh, in a couple of weeks. But I thank you for being with me today. I thank you for being a part of this program. And if you do have any questions, feel free to contact us. The best way is through our website. Go to our website at www.marshillcoc.org. And you can find all of our contact information there, our address, our phone number, email addresses. Uh, You can send us a message through that website. And we would love to hear from you. Uh, If you would like to contact us, have any questions, whatever, uh, we would love to hear from you. I look forward to being with you again in a couple of weeks for another portion of According to the Scriptures. Uh, Thank you for being with me today. And until we meet again, may God bless you.